You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Well, happy Tuesday. So good to have you with us. I am so excited about our lesson today, and I'm excited about you being with us today. I believe it's going to be a blessing. Please tag a friend. Let somebody know that we're live on Facebook. You can also get it on YouTube. Listen, you're going to be blessed, no doubt in my mind. Now, I began a four-part series entitled, Do You Want What You Are Saying? Do you want what you are saying? This is our third lesson of a four-lesson series. Now, the theme of this series is the destructive and constructive power of the words that we speak, the words that come out of our mouths. We're talking about the destructive and constructive power of the words that we speak out of our mouths. Now, I am going to teach today, and our subtopic today is the God kind of faith speaks. The God kind of faith speaks. I believe that the that Christianity at its core is a speaking faith. Now listen at that. I believe that Christianity at its core is a speaking faith. Romans chapter 10 verse 10 says, "For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's why I say Christianity at its core is a speaking faith. I believe something that I uh, uh, wholeheartedly that the, the theme of faith is the most important theme in the Bible for the believer, the theme of faith. Scripture says, for by grace are we saved through faith. And then it says, the just shall live by faith. So we see faith now is connected to everything that we do in our Christian experience, from living victorious over temptations, from walking in love, from ministering to others, Uh, to standing on the word, operating in the gifts of the spirit. Faith is connected to all these issues. So I believe it's the most important theme in the Bible for the believer. Now, I have a lot of great series on the subject of faith. I mean, a lot of great series. If I was asked to teach one lesson on faith. I only had one shot at it, not a series, but just one shot 
at instructing believers on faith, then the lesson that I'm going to teach you today, I would teach this lesson. I believe in one lesson, not a series, but in one lesson, this is probably the most important series on faith that I can teach you if I only had one lesson. So I want us to look at a background text in Mark chapter 11, where Jesus curses a fig tree. I'm going to read verses 12 through 14, and then verses 20 through 24, and then I am going to give you 12 revelations that I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt will transform your life. Now, let's look at the story. It says, on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, Jesus and his disciples, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs were not yet. And Jesus answered and said to it, he spoke to the tree, he spoke to the fig tree, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. They heard what Jesus said to the tree. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto Jesus, Master, Behold the fig tree. Look at the fig tree, which you curse is withered away. And Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. And then verse 3 and verse 24, he communicates powerful, life-transforming principles. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. We're talking about the God kind of faith speaks. And I've said that this lesson today, this one lesson today, is, in my opinion, the most important lesson, one lesson on faith that I can share with you. I believe if you'll meditate it, if you'll practice it, it will change your life. Now, many of these insights, some of you have heard. The insights are not difficult to understand, but very challenging to practice. In fact, the scripture says that we're to take heed to the things that we have learned in the past 
lest at any time they may slip. So what I've uh, discovered in decades of pastoring is that many Christians can quote and, and give out the principles, but it is the consistent practice of the principles that is often lacking. So I want you to listen to these 12 uh, revelations, and we're talking about the God kind of faith speaks. We want to draw some insight from Jesus walking up to this tree. The Bible says he was coming from Bethany, he and his disciples, and he was hungry. He saw this tree, and the tree had leaves, and in that part of the world, when a tree had leaves, it usually had fruit. But for whatever reason, this tree had leaves but no tr fruit. So when Jesus examined the tree, there were no figs. And then he did something very unusual. He cursed the fig tree. He spoke to a tree, and he says, no man will eat fruit from you from this time forth. Now, let's draw 12 revelations from this text. Number one, don't curse your situation. It is obvious that this is an object lesson. And Jesus is teaching you and I, believers, that we are we should not curse our situation. We should not curse our own situation. It is obvious that this is an object lesson because this is out of character for Jesus. Jesus was life in the flesh, the word in the flesh, and he always spoke life. He spoke life to withered limbs. He spoke life to paralyzed legs. He spoke life to blind eyes. He spoke life to dead bodies. And here we see life himself speaks and curses the fig tree. So what is Jesus teaching us here? The first revelation, he's teaching you and I, as it relates to this faith walk, is to not curse our own situation. When you have a need, Jesus said, when you have a need or desire, and there is a parent lack, you have the need, you have the desire, but there is a parent lack. In other words, it looks like the need will not be met. Have you ever had in the situations you were believing for something, desiring something, but when you looked at your situation, there was no evidence of that need being met? In fact, it may have looked like the need would not be met. Well, Jesus is saying, when you find yourself in a situation and there is apparent lack, 
the thing you desire, the need that you want met, looks like it's not going to be met. It looks like the battle is lost. It looks like the situation is over. Jesus teaches us to not curse our own situation. In other words, don't speak negative about that situation. Don't talk about the situation. It's over. It's too late. Uh, God didn't meet my need. No, don't curse your situation. You know, here's, here's something. This is, this is going to be interesting. Often when we have a need and we have a desire, we, in our own thinking, have imagined or have reasoned how that need was going to be met. That avenue, this avenue, this method, this way is the way the need going to be met. What I've learned about God is this, and this is a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. I remember years ago, many years ago, decades ago, uh, someone broke in our house. Uh, some individuals broke in our house and stole some merchandise, our television and jewelry and different kinds of things. And when my wife came home, because I had left going to work, and my wife came home, the guys waved at her leaving our house. She didn't know at the time that they had broken our house. Well, when she came in, she saw that someone had broken, and she saw the things missing, the television and other things missing and called the police and they came and they said, well, you, you'll probably not get your, your uh, stuff, your things, your possessions back. My wife chose to not curse the situation. It looked like a parent loss. It looked like that we would not get our things back. But my wife refused to curse the situation. Moving away from the police officer, she declared that that was a lie. She did not agree with that. We were tithers. We would get our stuff back. Make a long story short, we had, and you can tell it was decades ago, but we had a Lion King's uh, VCR uh, tape in, in uh, one of the things that they had stolen, and they took it to a pawn shop. And when they took it to the pawn shop, the pawn owner went in the back with the material and saw the tape, pushed the tape, and it had our address on. Called us, called the police, and they got captured at the pawn shop. And we got our stuff back. And then some jewelry we didn't get back, some of peace jewelry didn't back, and I don't know how it happened, she didn't get some of the jewelry back, but someone in New Mexico that we did not know, didn't know anything about our situation, she sent my wife some jewelry, and the jewelry was better than the jewelry that we had lost. Now, I'm talking to you now. 
there are going to be times when it looked like it's over. The situation is over. You lost. You did receive. Listen, don't curse it. Don't start talking negative about it. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to what you believe in because God has many ways, thousands of ways, millions of ways of meeting the need, and it may not be met through the normal channel. So when you come up against a situation and it looks like apparent loss, like your prayer is not answered, like the battle is lost, don't curse your situation. Let's look at the second revelation. Be willing to commit yourself. Be willing to commit yourself. The Bible says that Jesus spoke to a tree and the disciples heard what he said to the tree. Jesus committed himself. Don't be afraid of the men and, and, and their opinions because you're operating by faith. Don't be afraid of temporary ridicule because when you operate by faith, you're going to have to speak it out of your mouth. And when people hear it, it's going to sound strange to their ears. It's going to sound nonsensical. And so you have to be willing to experience temporary ridicule. Now, I'm not saying that you have to tell everyone what you believe because the Bible says in Matthew 7, 6, don't cast your prayers before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. But I am saying you must be willing to speak your faith, speak what you believe publicly when necessary. You can't just operate by faith in your private life. I remember when as a church, we at Faith Chapel were believing for the completion, the construction and the completion of a 3,000 seat sanctuary. And we were believing for it to be paid off debt free. And we spoke it. And we spoke it publicly. We released our faith publicly. Now, when you release your faith publicly, you, you're not trying to impress people. You're not being arrogant. You're not trying to make people believe. You're releasing your faith in the atmosphere. The angels of God are listening for your faith to bring your faith to pass. So you have to be willing to commit yourself, go out on the limb, go out in the public. Not that you're speaking to them, but you're releasing your faith. So you must be willing to accept temporary ridicule. And I call it temporary because once your faith manifests itself, everybody will jump on board. So number one, you must not curse your own situation. Number two, you must be willing to commit yourself. 
I want you to listen to every last revelation. This changed my life. It changed my church. It will change your life. The third revelation that I want to share with you, we're talking about the God kind of faith speaks. And we're dealing with that positive side of do you want what you're saying? Number three, your present condition. Here's a revelation. Your present condition in life is often connected to the words you consistently spoke in the past. That's good there. Your present condition. Think about your present condition right now. Your present condition in life is often connected to the words you consistently spoke in the past. Now, Jesus and his disciples came from Bethany. They were headed to Jerusalem. Jesus was hungry. He spoke to the tree, cursed the tree. Then he went into Jerusalem, spent the day in Jerusalem, came back by that tree that after that evening, and the next morning, they walked the same path right by that tree. And Peter saw that the tree was dried up. Peter said, Master, look at that tree. The tree you spoke to yesterday is withered today. So... Your present condition, that tree's present condition was that it had withered. That took place the day before. Jesus spoke one day, the next day the tree had withered. So the present condition of the tree was connected to the past word, to the words Jesus spoke in the past. So I am saying your present condition. And when I say your present condition, I realize that there are outside forces. We find ourselves in situations because of things that may have happened to us outside of our control. Maybe others have impacted us in some kind of way. Nothing we did wrong. We were impacted by something, somebody else. But I'm not talking about those kind of situations. I'm talking about your ongoing experience in life. When I say your present condition, I'm talking about your ongoing experience in life is often connected to the words you spoke in the past. Number four, number four is consistent with the same event of the, 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 the tree being withered. Number four, your faithful words are active and producing results even when you see no change. Now that's, listen to that. I want to say that. I want to say that. And if you have any questions, you can send your questions in because this is something so powerful. It will change your life. Number four, your faithful words are active and producing results even when you see no change. Again, Jesus 
spoke to the tree, went into Jerusalem, spent the day in Jerusalem, came right by that tree that evening, that afternoon. No one mentioned the tree. The tree hadn't withered. There was no evidence that the word had worked, that Jesus spoke. The tree looked like it was in the same condition as when Jesus spoke those words. But the next day when he came back, Peter noticed that the tree had withered from the roots. Now remember, the roots are below the surface of, of the ground. So the moment Jesus spoke faith-filled words, his words were active. His words were producing change. But the change began below the surface. In other words, the word was working, the change was taking place, but you could not immediately see it. So when you speak your faith, you speak words that are consistent with what you believe and what you're desiring, what God says. I believe that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Well, when you look, there may be no apparent change, but that doesn't mean your words are not active. That does not mean your words are not producing a change. You just can't see it yet. The word was working on that tree the moment Jesus spoke, but it was working beneath the surface, the top of the ground. It was below the ground. It was working on the roots. And I believe that oftentimes our faith-filled words are dealing with the root of the issue. Sometimes we have symptoms that we can see and that we can feel that are apparent. But the word, when spoken in faith, will get to the root of the matter. So your faith-filled words are active and producing results even when you see no change. Number five, God must be the object of your faith. God must be the object of your faith. Verse 22, Jesus says, have faith in God. Now, having faith in God is having faith in not just God's ability, but having faith in God's willingness. Some people, they believe that God is able but they're not sure that he wants to. That's what happened in Matthew chapter 8. A leper came to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Master, I know you're able to cleanse me if you are willing. In other words, he knew Jesus had the ability to cleanse him from leprosy, but he wasn't sure that Jesus wanted to. And Jesus said, I will. So there are many Christians, they have faith in Jesus' ability and God's ability, but they're not sure whether he wants to. You have to have faith in God's ability and his willingness. And having faith in God 
is contrary, the converse, the opposite of having faith in men, having faith in education, having faith in your business, your talent, your hard work, your bank account, your investments, having faith in the government, having faith even in yourself. No, he said, have faith in God. The sixth principle is God is no respect of persons. The sixth revelation from our text is God is no respect of person. Jesus says, whosoever shall say to the mountain, whosoever shall speak to the mountain, whosoever shall stay. So God is no respect of persons. God's word will work for anyone who works it. Oh, that's good right there. I high five you on that. God's word will work for anyone who works it, regardless of ethnicity, black, white, red, yellow, brown, regardless of gender, male, female, regardless of age, young, old, regardless of marital status, married, single, regardless of social economic status, rich, poor, the word will work for anyone who works it. Come on, say that. The word will work for anyone who works it. Now make it personal. The word will work for me. Come on, say that. The word will work for me. Come on, say it one more time. The word will work for me. Number seven, let's look at the seven revelation. I got 12 revelations. You must face the challenge. This is number seven. You must face the challenge of the challenges of life and resist them with your faith. You must face the challenges of life, and resist them with your faith. Now, Jesus said, whosoever shall say to the mountain, the mountain represents a problem. It represents a challenge. Whosoever shall speak to the mountain, speak to the challenge, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Now, notice what he says, that you have to face the challenge. You have to resist it with your faith. So faith is not de denial. You're not denying the problem. You're not denying the challenge. You're facing it. You're confronting it. But faith is released by the words of your mouth. You can believe forever, but until you release what you believe in your heart with your mouth and couple that with actions, you will not see a manifestation. Faith is released by the words of your mouth. Well, I believe, I believe this, and I believe that, and I believe this, and I believe that. No, no, you have to go beyond believing. You have to release it with your mouth. So Jesus says you have to speak to the mountain. You have to speak to the problem. You have to speak to the situation. You have to speak to the disorder. Well, what should I say? Say, I don't accept you, and speak to it. I don't accept you. 
I do not accept you sickness. I do not accept you disorder. I do not accept you disorganization. I do not accept you confusion. I do not accept you memory loss. I do not accept it in Jesus' name. I do not accept you in Jesus' name. I agree with God's word. I do that all the time. If I'm having an issue, it contradicts what God says. I say, now, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with you. I'm talking to it. I don't agree with that sickness. I agree with what Jesus said. Jesus said that he took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. The word said, by his stripes, I'm here. I agree with the word. I don't agree with you, sickness. I don't agree with you, back pain. I don't agree with you in the name of Jesus. In fact, I command you to go. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. He said that we're to speak to our mountains. So number seven, you must face the challenges of life and resist it with your faith. You are responsible for resisting. So often, I got a question there, and I'm going to answer that in a, in a minute. And that's a good question. I, if I look over there, that's a good question. And I'm going to answer your question about worthiness in just a moment. But like, listen at this. And you got any other questions? Send your questions now. You are responsible for resisting you. God is not going to resist for you. Now, number eight, you have to believe God's word with your heart. That's verse 23. You have to believe God's word with your heart. Now, listen at this. Verse 23, Jesus says, And whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he say will come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. So the scripture says that you have to not doubt in your heart, but believe in your heart. So we got two things we got to answer. Let's talk about that doubt thing. Doubt is an attack on your mind. It's an attack. It's a contrary thought that Satan plants in your mind. Or it's a contrary thought by you looking at the visual situation, the physical circumstances. A thought hits your mind, a thought of doubt, a thought that you're not going to get that. Listen at this. Temporary doubt in your mind will not stop your faith from working temporary doubt in your mind will not stop your faith from working. I can't tell you how many times I've stood and believed God, and yet there were doubt in my mind, but I didn't side in with the doubt. I side in with the word. I didn't speak my doubts. I spoke what the word says. So to believe with your heart simply means to believe independent of your physical circumstances, independent of what your senses is communicating through your eye gate, your ear gate, independent of what you're feeling. You're going to stay with the word. The word says this, you're going to stay with it, even though the physical circumstances 
contradict the word, even though your senses, the information that you're receiving through your five sense gates contradict the word, even though what you feel, because sometimes you feel like God is not with you, you feel like God didn't hear. You're not going to go with what you're feeling. You're going to stay with the word. And that's what it means to believe with your heart. You're believing independent. You feel like God has left, but the Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So regardless to your feeling that he's gone, he's not there, you're going to choose to believe what the word says. That's believing with your heart. Number uh, nine, you must believe in your own words. Jesus says you're to speak to the mountain and you're to believe that what you're saying will come to pass. You're believing that what you're saying will come to pass. Now, in order to have strong faith, you have to believe in the importance of the, your own words. Now, now listen what I said. You have to believe in the importance of your own words. If you believe that your own words are important and impactful, it will help you to control the words that you speak. For example, there are different things that happen in the community, and, and, and people will ask me sometimes because I'm a leader in the community. They say, well, what do you think about this? And, and much of the time, I, I don't have anything to think say about it. I don't have enough information. I don't know what's going on in that particular situation, but I know that my words are important. I know that my words have impact, so I'm going to limit control what I say because I know that people can take my words and take them where I don't want them to take them because I know that my words are important. I know that what I say is impactful. When you believe that your words are important, your words are impactful, then it will control what you say. You have to believe in your own words. Then number 10, you will have or experience what you consistently say. You will have or experience not what you say every now and then, but you will have what, <clears throat> what you consistently say. Jesus says that you're to speak to the mountain, not doubt in your heart, but believe those that those words you say it, the Bible says say it, that means consistently say, the Bible says you'll have what you say. So you're going to consistently have what you say. Number 11, you must speak only your desires. Mark 11, 24 says, what things soever you desire, what things soever you desire, what things soever you desire. Only speak your desires. And I'm not going to say anything else about number 11 because my next lesson, my fourth lesson on this series is all about speaking your desires. Then number 12, you have to believe you have it before you get it. You have to believe that you have it before you get it. 
You have to believe what things soever you desire when you pray. What things soever you desire, verse 24, when you pray. When you pray is now. You have to believe when you pray, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, you shall have. Believe you receive, you shall have. Now, you shall have is future to believe you receive. Believe you receive them, you shall have them. Believe you receive them. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Believe it now. The moment you pray for the healing, believe it now. The money, moment you pray for, pray for uh, the money, believe you have it. The moment you pray, you don't have it in manifestation. You believe you have it. And Jesus says, if you believe you have it now, then you shall have it in manifestation. Some people are waiting to get it in manifestation to believe it. That's backwards. You have to believe you have it now in a spiritual realm, and you shall have it physically. Listen, listen, I am out of time, but I want to take two minutes, and I want to review these 12 things. Number one, don't curse your own situation. Number two, be willing to commit yourself. Number three, your present condition in life is often connected to the words you spoke in the past. Number four, your faith-filled words are active and producing results even when you see no change. Number five, God must be the object of your faith. Number six, God is no respect of persons. Number seven, you must face the challenges of life and resist them with your faith. Number eight, you must believe God's word with your heart. Number nine, you must believe in your own words. Number 10, you will have or experience what you consistently say. Number 11, you must speak only your desires. We're going to talk about that next week. And then number 12, you have to believe you have it before you get it. Not I'm going to get it. Not I'm going to have it. Not God is going to heal me. You have to believe that you have it now before you get it. Listen, I've got uh, two questions and I'm going to answer these questions uh, before we close. Listen at this. What? This is the first question. What if you are feeling you are not worthy? Okay. The only way you could not be worthy is that you're not saved. You're not born again. Because think about it. The new birth... What is the new birth? You're receiving Jesus into your life, confessing him as Lord of your life. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, for he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. So the moment you made Jesus the Lord of your life, God took Jesus' righteousness and placed it on your account. 
he identifies you, God identifies you as righteousness, as righteous, not because of what you do or you don't do. You're righteous because of what Jesus did and you received him. So when God looks at you, he looks at you and he sees no sin. He sees no failure. He sees no shortage. And he's going to deal with you based off your right standing with him, your righteousness, and not just on your mistakes and your this or that. Because if we operate it and expect it to receive based on our own worthiness, nobody would qualify. Nobody. If you are a believer, you are worthy. He made you meet to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints, the Bible says in Colossians 1. You were made to be meet. That means worthy. You are worthy if you're a Christian, not because what you do or don't do, but because of what Jesus did on your behalf. You're righteous. You're as righteous as you're going to ever get. So forget that worthiness, unworthiness thing. I hope that answered your question. Pastor Mike, if you're paying tithes and offerings faithfully and speaking the word in faith, will God move quicker for you when you're having trials and tribulations? Now, that's a, that's a good question. That's a good question. Now, if you're paying tithes and offerings faithfully and speaking the word, you should be always believing on a regular basis that you have the windows of heaven blessing every day on a regular basis. Thank God. I believe I have the windows of heaven blessing. And we've taught that that supernatural ability to function at a high level. We've taught that that's divine favor. That's open doors of opportunities. That's provision from unexpected sources. I don't get into in my faith journey, uh, how it's going to be quicker. How can I make God operates quicker? I don't, I don't even think like quicker, quicker. No, I think present tense. I believe I receive now. I believe I receive now. It, it's not a switch thing like, oh, you're going to push this switch and it's quicker. And if you keep it on that dial, it's slower coming. No, no, no. Don't even think like that. Sometimes we think like that because we have pressure on us. We have, but you should be on faith now period, not because you have temptation or pressure. You should be on all the time. I believe I have now all the time. And I don't think, because it's not about how much pressure you got on you. Because see, if you're operating by pressure, you're operating pr primarily by fear. You know, I got to have this, Lord, I got to have this right now. I got to have this right now. Lord Jesus, I got to have this right now. No, a lot of times when you're in that mode, you're really in fear. No, you believe you receive and you thank him and you spend time in thanksgiving. Father, I thank you. I believe that I have it. Father, I thank you. I believe I have it. If you start thinking quicker or slower, you're going to get in fear. I don't even think like that. I don't even think, well, this, this got to be quicker. This gotta, I don't even think like that. 
fear pushes you into that kind of thing. And I know sometimes you have a need and you may have a bill, you may have a situation and a doctor has said this and the bill is do this. I know that. But faith is not something you use to push some dial so that something can happen quicker. Forget the quicker thing. Forget that. Faith is now. Believe whatever you need, whether it's grace to live victorious over sin or whatever it is, believe you have it. Begin to confess. I believe I'm delivered. I believe I have it. I believe this in Jesus' name. And that's your faith position. That's the position you should have. That's my best shot on that. Thank you. I only got two questions today, but thank you. I trust that. And listen, you got to go back and listen to this. This is going to change your life. This is a good one. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good, all of them are good, but this is something you need to have in your, um, whatever you can get access to it quickly. You need to have this teaching right here. Thank you so very much. We're going to conclude this series in our next session, lesson four, and we're going to talk about speaking your desires. We're going to give you some examples of what you should be saying. 